Welcome to Cornerstone Church of Parker and our Sunday service webcast, which is connecting you to God's Word anywhere over the internet. We're glad you're joining our webcast today and pray that God will minister to you as we share His good news in Christ Jesus. And now, with a message from God's Word, here's our speaker for today. Sometimes the things we face, uh, we can't always see them or speak directly to them. I know I've been praying for some people who have let me know, Lord, uh, you know, Pastor Mike, just pray for, pray for my kids. You know, I just feel like the enemy's been attacking them. And we can't see those principalities, those powers, that, that spiritual darkness, the, the, the warfare that's going on around us sometimes. And the only thing we have, which is not a bad thing, because there, nothing can stand against the name of Jesus. And so when we speak to that situation or those principalities, those powers, in the name of Jesus, the darkness has to flee. The darkness has to flee, and that bondage on their lives or whatever is oppressing us or coming against us, I believe, just, I mean, he's, Jesus said, if you have a mountain in your way, speak to it. Speak to it. And so today, before I introduce our speaker this morning and give my wife a chance to share with you, can I just pray for you? If, if that's you, just lift up a hand today right where you're at just to acknowledge, Pastor Mike, I need a breakthrough. Father God, I come before you in Jesus' name, and I pray for the people in this place today. Lord, your spirit is speaking to my heart, and I know there are people here who need a breakthrough in their lives. And so, Lord, before we continue on with this service, I just want to acknowledge that and speak your powerful name over their situation. I pray that the enemy, the spiritual enemies that would be attacking them or attacking their loved ones, that that bondage would be broken right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, let there be a breakthrough. Let us see people coming back to you, especially those who have gone away from their faith and the training they've received from their parents. We speak to those children and call them back to you right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray over those crooked places, those mountains, those obstacles that are in people's way right now that are frustrating them. Lord, I speak to them in Jesus' name, and we pray let them be removed. Let those crooked places be straight. Let the way be made where there is no way right now in Jesus' name. And everyone who believes that says, Amen. 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 Well, I'm going to introduce, let my lovely wife, Jamie, come up, share with you briefly, uh, and then we'll introduce our speaker this morning. You beat me to it. I just felt so strongly that we needed to pray. So thank you, sweetie, for praying. Um, I just, I'm only going to take just a second um, just to tell you guys what you already know, but I love you guys so much. Our family absolutely loves Cornerstone. You guys are um, a treasure, a jewel. I'm telling you, it's so interesting. You come to a new place, you don't know anybody, you uproot your four kids, you bring them here, and you think, oh man, this is going to be tough. I am telling you, you guys have loved us and supported us and just rolled up your sleeves and worked with us and worshiped with us and worked with us and helped us and gave and served. You guys make it so... Oh God, I wasn't going to cry. <laughs> you make it really hard to go. I have family back home who are like, you ready? And I'm like, my heart, it aches. Sorry, sweetie, I did cry. My heart aches. But I, 
I, I know that God is here. Mm-hmm. And the verse that God gave to me right before I walked up was Romans 15, 13. May the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. And may you overflow with confident hope mm-hmm. by the power of the Holy Spirit. We serve a God of hope. And I just want you to know that as I've shared my life with you and you've shared your life with, with me, I want you to know that as I leave all the things that you've shared with me in the last few years that you are asking God for, I take those with me and I will be praying in faith and seeing it through. I want you guys to know that. We serve a God of hope. Amen? Amen. Amen. And God is with my family. God is with Cornerstone. He's with every one of us. He's holding our lives in the palm of his hands, and he's faithful. Amen? Amen. 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 So I just want you guys to hear it from me. If I don't get to give you a hug after, how much I love you guys. And I'm so thankful for all of you. So thank you so much. I'll, I'm going to introduce uh, <clears throat> Pastor Jean Roncone, his wife Rhonda, and they are our uh, district superintendents. We're part of the Rocky Mountain District Council with the Assemblies of God, and so he's here. He's like our staff pastor, our district pastor. So, Pastor Jean, come on up. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, they got me hooked up. How are you guys doing today at Cornerstone? It is so good to be here with you, and uh, to be here. You have wonderful pastors. Can you just sense that they love you? How many of you can do it? Man, uh, God loves you, and he has blessed you with a wonderful leader. Well, listen, my name is Gene Roncone, and I am part of what you are part of. You are part of something special. Did you know that? Uh, here's what you're a part of. Uh, there are nearly, in this network that we are all a part of, nearly 170 churches, 600 ministers, and 44 thousand people this morning worshiping in 18 languages of the world in Colorado and Utah. That's a little mind-boggling, isn't it? But how many of you, let me hear you clap if you're, if you're excited to be part of something like that. Can you do that for me? So, as I said, my job uh, is, is to give leadership and cast vision and, and resource the churches that are part of this network. Um, your board has asked me to come today and speak to you about something that is, is very passionate in my heart, uh, and that is leadership transitions and how a church can thrive in the midst of pastoral transitions. This is a passion of mine. I've written a book about this. I've spent many years of my life studying it, and I want you guys to know something. You're going to make it. How many of you know that? Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you, all right? And you say, how do you know that, Gene? Because uh, nearly 180,000 churches every year experience leadership transitions. And they are, they are amazing times. And I want to talk to you today a little bit about that. But the most important thing I want you to know about today and the next few months in your life is that pastoral transitions are not about the church. It really isn't about the leadership or who's coming or going. We're going to talk about that. Do you know that God's word says that this next few months, your spiritual growth is going to be in turbo drive? God is going to be doing something new in your life that he has already started. Transitions are about you. It's about God doing something in your life. If you got that, say, say I got it. All right, so here's what I want to do this morning. 
uh, I want you to see, I want to take you to a, an old, a New Testament scripture where Paul is writing to the church at Corinth about a pastoral transition that they were going to. Now, he addresses it two times in the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're going to look at both of those. And uh, how, many of you, how many of you like it with, when you have great examples in the Bible? Like, great examples, like, God, I want to be like that, you know? And how many of you see places in the Bible where God's bringing correction to a person or a church that really didn't respond adequately to that. How many of you like, aren't you glad no one's keeping a record of us right now that people are going to read 2,000 years from now? Uh, I was reading this past week where uh, they were talking about Paul's preaching, and they said he was long-winded, and he went on and on and on. And I'm like, poor guy. I mean, for thousands of years, we have that documented. Now, in this story I'm about to take you, unfortunately, this is a church that was going through a pastoral transition that didn't approach it from a spiritual perspective. And Paul had to bring correction in their life. So before we pull up on the scene, let me tell you what is happening at the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth was blessed with some of the finest leadership the New Testament had to offer. Okay, I'm talking if there ever was a dream team of pastoral leadership, it would have been the leadership of the church at Corinth. They had Paul. I mean, listen to these. Listen to the roster of people who pastored in Corinth. The Apostle Paul. I mean, that driven, strategic, and theological apostle of soaring faith. The Corinthians sat underneath Paul's ministry. And then Peter. I mean, Peter was the exact opposite. He was this dynamic, inspiring, uh, emotional disciple of Jesus. This blue-collar guy who just had an ability to rally people together. And then after Peter, we find that uh, they had in Corinth exposure to Apollos. Now, man, Apollos was the silver-tongued order of the New Testament. I mean, we don't know much about him, but what we do know about him is statements about his preaching, that it was convincing, it was powerful. He was the kind of guy that could stand between, before the Supreme Court and make an incredible case. And so all these people were there, and, and now they're experiencing a spiritual transition you would think with that kind of leadership that this church would approach this transition in the right way, but they, they didn't. Say with me, say, but we are. All right? Some of you are like, I ain't saying that. Say it right now. We are, okay? All right, so here's what I want you to do. I want to talk to you. First, let's, let's visit this passage because I don't have a lot of time here. Uh, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 through 17. Paul talks about it. He goes off to another subject, and then he comes back to it again. And this is what Paul says. Listen to this. Hang on to these words. Paul says this. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Christ, Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thoughts. Now, Paul's talking about, uh, about a philosophical unity here. Verse 10 my brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. And what I mean is this. One says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas or Peter. And still another, well, I follow Christ. Okay? And then Paul says this. You see what's happening? They're going through all the different leadership that they had and said, well, well, we connect with this and we connect with that and we connect with this. And then Paul says this. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? 
Were you baptized into the name of Paul? I am thankful I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say you were baptized into my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I can't remember if I baptized anyone. Paul's getting up there in age now. He's like, I remember, maybe I don't, okay? Verse 17 He says this, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, let the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Paul veers off near and goes into some other subjects, and then he comes right back in chapter 3, verse 1, to their spiritual transition. Are you ready? Hold on to your seat. This is what what Paul says. Paul is saying, now now this, this, I can't imagine this letter being read in the church in Corinth. I mean, this must have been a very uncomfortable situation. And Paul says, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. Now, Paul's saying to these people who perceive themselves as deeply spiritual, people have had some of the best leadership the New Testament offer. He's saying, you know, you guys are acting like a bunch of babies. Have any of you ever known grown people who act like babies? Raise your hand. Go ahead. Go ahead and just like point your nostril to them right now if they're here. Go ahead. Go ahead. And so that's what Paul's saying here. Now now stay with me. He says, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. Are you still worldly? For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are not you worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For one says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Apollos. And are you not mere men? What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned each his task. Who assigns the task? Say it with me out loud. The Lord. There's something deeply spiritual happening right now in Cornerstone Church. I mean, below the surface, below the, below the uncomfortableness of change, below, the, below the, all the transition, the questions, God is doing something deeply spiritual. He's assigning something in your life that you don't have now, but the future will bring to you. He said, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Who's growing? You say it out loud. All right, some of you in the back, you're not with me. I'll come down this aisle. I really will. So neither he who plants waters anything, but only God who makes them grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to their labor. For Now this is powerful. Underline this in your Bible. Do you have a Bible you can write on? Do you, do you write, if you don't write in your Bible, Put your Bible underneath some glass thing and go get a Bible you can write on, okay? And and here's what you need to underline. Listen, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Wow. So what I want to do this morning very quickly is I want to pull, pull out five truths, five truths about pastoral transitions that will shed light on how you can thrive and grow. Do you realize that on the other side of this pastoral transition, God has a spiritual growth spurt for you that your past could not bring to you? Your present can. God is growing you. Remember, you're his what? Say field. You're his field. So number one, here's the first thing Paul says we got to do is is we've got to stay united. He said, stay united in mind and thought. Everybody say, stay united. Now, I'm going to use something real quick here if I don't trip and kill myself. Uh, I, have some, I have some sticks here, 
and, uh, and I need a big, strong person uh, to help me, okay? And uh, Adam, come on up here. Come on up here. Uh, I, I have been so impressed with your board and uh, their communication. They have a plan, man. They've got steps in a the plan. They, they are seeking, uh, they're doing a great job. And so because of that, Mike is such a great guy, Adam. Uh, I have a feeling he's going to give you $100 if, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Mike's with us now. You know, I just knew it. I, I would never tell anything that God couldn't do. Okay, so, so I have two things here, Adam. I have this one and this one. Now, if, if Mike was going to give you $100 to break one of these, and you had to be assured that you could break it, which one would you, which one would you try to break? And, and, and why is that? It's smaller, and it's isolated, isn't it? Great, great job. Everybody let, let Adam know how much you appreciate him. Yeah, yeah. Adam, you can collect that for Mike at any time. Uh, just feel free. Mike, thank you for your generosity. God bless you. So, so Paul says this is what the enemy tries to do in pastoral transitions. He knows that if, if you are... Now look at this one. It's bound by tape, and, and there's tape of unity and purpose and prayer and a spiritual perspective, and it is holding these things. As, there isn't a person in this auditorium that could snap this over their knees today. Believe me, uh, I've tried, and, and I've picked big people to try to do it, and they can't do it. But, but I'll tell you what will break is this one. Why? Because it's isolated. It's alone. It's, it's off. It's, it's by itself. So, so here's, how, here's how people, now that sounds spiritual, but here's how people become divided in times of, of pastoral transition. There's a difference between preference and principle. Everybody say preference. Okay, now say principle. Principle is doctrine, man. That's things you fight for. Like Jesus is the Son of God. That's something that you've got to stand up for. God's Word is authoritative. It's inspired. It's anointing. That's, that's, a, that's a principle. If you got it, say, I got it. Now, a preference is the way that you want something. Okay? But sometimes, in times of change, we elevate our preferences to the level of principle. Do you know that I have seen churches become divided over the kind of chairs they have in the auditorium? I, I have seen God's people elevate their preferences. And so how do you deal with that tension? Listen, you have already decided, you have already elected leaders to represent you in finding God's will. So, so you assign preference to those who have been given authority to do it, and you stick with principle. Are you with me? So, so many times we say, well, you know, I, 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 can I just say, how many of you here, by applause, how many of you here like country music? Come on, country music, come on, clap, go ahead, shame the devil, tell the truth, all right. There's lying in this auditorium right now, I could feel it. How many of you, how many of you, how many of you love hymns? How many of you love hymns? Come on. Let me hear. Okay, how many of you, how many, man, you're like, oh, elevation. I mean, the new worship that's out. How many of you like the new worship that's out? All right, so that's preference, right? Can I say to you, uh, can I say to you, we gravitate towards our preferences. I mean, I'm only 53, and I hear some music today. I mean, when I pastored, my biggest complaint was, why do we have to blow out our eardrums every single Sunday, you know? But I would turn around to someone, and I would see young people worshiping, and that's when I would say, God, my preference isn't important right now. 
My principle is what I'm going to stand on. If you got it, say, I got it. Sometimes we become divided by selfishness. James tells us when we become divided, it's because we're warring with our own preferences inside. We are elevating our preferences. Do you know that God only gave us two things that he wants to have happen in the church from the time Jesus was resurrected to the time he returned? There's only only two traditions that Jesus said we must have. Baptism and communion. That's it. Everything else, everything else is preference. Turn to your neighbor and say, ooh, that hurts. (laughs) So if you're going to thrive, you've got to stay united at a community of faith. Now listen, you can look back in your history. I was sitting here uh, at the front row thinking 20 years ago when I came to this network, uh, I met Jerry and Susan Cassell who planted this church. And, uh, and they had come from the church I pastored years before that. I wasn't here when this church planted. And I've, I've over the years at funerals and weddings met different people. Man, you have had a long line of leaders here. And, and, and you could say the same thing. You know, I follow Jerry. I follow Dave. I follow Mike. But you know what? You're following Jesus. Can you say that? Second thing, we got to move on. We got to move on. Second thing, you got to know who you're following. We talked about this already. So, so how do you know if you're following preference or following principle? Well, what was the Corinthians' problem? Why were they so locked into personalities instead of the spiritual thing of understanding that God was bringing different people to work the field of their life? How do, how do, we, how do we know? Well, it, listen to me. If your passion for God is dependent upon a leader being in your life, then that's a warning sign. That is a red flag for you that you are building your faith on personality and not on principle. If, if, if you forget who died for you, that's what Paul said, you know, none of these people crawled up on a cross for you, Corinthians. You're, you're, following, you're following Christ. So, so how, can you, how can you decide and how can you follow Christ? So I'm going to give you four things that your leadership community needs of you in the next few months. They need you to be praying for them. Do you understand that? This is a spiritual thing. One of the biggest mistakes that churches make is corporate types think, well, I hire people at work, and so I'm going to take that skill base and apply it here. Nothing can be further from the truth. This is a spiritual practice that needs the leading of the Holy Spirit. Would you say amen to that? Secondly, be faithful in your attendance. Something happens when God's people are together. Have you noticed that? I mean, when we're together, there's a synergy that happens. So this is at the time you go, you know, we've always wanted to use that camper. No, stay together. Be faithful to God's house every single Sunday. I already mentioned praying for your board, but, but keep serving. Keep serving. You know what? one of the things that is amazing that happens in churches during pastoral transitions? People pull together. They start start volunteering for things they would never dream of before. And over the years, I've watched this and I've said, where were all these people like six months ago? Find a need and become the solution. If you got it, say, I got it. Last one. Are you ready for this? Okay. I knew someone's... Put your toes underneath your chair. Go ahead right now. Just slip your feet. I'm going to step on your toes a little bit. Keep giving. Keep tithing. 
Can I tell you something? There is not a money fairy that walks into this church every week and pays the water bill. And, 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 and the heat and the lighting, the graphics, the, all this wonderful, you know, this stuff. Last night, a, a, a fairy didn't come in and spread pixie dust. You know how this happened? The obedience of God's people being faithful in their tithes and offerings. So can I ask you in these next, in these next few months, be more faithful than you've ever been. If you got it, say, I got it. Some of you are like, I don't know about that one. <laughs> Third thing, are you ready? We've got to move on. Embrace maturity. You are really going to find out a lot about yourself in the next few months. I mean, Paul looks at this church that had Paul pastoring it and Peter pastoring it and Apollos, and he says, you know, when I look at you guys in a spiritual realm, I see babies. I see immature believers who really don't get it, Paul says. And that tells me that, tells me that, that your maturity is not always just dependent on the spiritual leader in your life. Your maturity is dependent on the perspective that you bring to God's table. So, so the imagery here is, uh, Paul says, you know, you're worldly, you're immature, you're babies, you can't even handle meat. And, and the imagery is Paul is picturing these adult people wearing diapers with a big pacifier in their mouth, and, and, and that's the image. Now, how many of you have raised teenagers before? If you have, clap your hands. Clap your hands. Yeah. Those of you that haven't, this is proof you will survive, okay? You can make it. You know, the ones that, are, that have teenagers right now, they're the ones that have that nervous tick, that flinch right now. They're kind of... Now, 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 listen, I have four grandbabies, and, and, and I live for my grand... I got to tell you, I, if you would have told me 10 years ago that I was going to take a day off work or call in sick when I'm not to be with my grandkids, I would have told you you were crazy. I was driven, first guy in the office, last guy to leave. These little kids come and they light up my world. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Now, I know it's hard for you because my grandkids are so better good looking than yours, but you, <laughs> you can try to imagine. And, and I got to tell you, it's the cutest thing in the world when they do little things, you know, when they, when they do little things. I remember, uh, I, I remember when, when little Micah uh, started learning how to use the potty, you know, how to use the potty. And, and up until then, you know, it was a little shaky. I mean, it was a little shaky. Mikey had to learn that not do you just go potty, you go potty in a certain place. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? And, and it was cute when he was little. But I'm going to tell you, if a 44-year-old man left the kind of things that Micah leaves around the house, that ain't, that ain't pretty. And that's the image that Paul has of the Corinthians. You guys think you're spiritual? You're advanced? He says, but man, you're not. And so what I want to say to you is embrace maturity. Now, now how can you do that? Let me give you a couple things here. Number one, Make a decision that you choose to see this transition from a spiritual perspective instead of a worldly perspective. No one's job hunting right now. That's not what this is about. Pastors and church transitions, they're like heart transplants. And, and what you are doing is God is giving you a new vision, a new leader, because he knows where he wants to take you. This is not filling resumes and slots. If you got it, say, I got it. 
decide that you're going to be the voice of reason in this transition. You're going to be the practical one. You're going to be the problem solver. Thirdly, choose to move on to the future that God has for you. You know, you never cried in third grade that you were going into fourth grade. But then as adults, God introduces change in our life. We start kicking and screaming and and pouting and clinging to the doorknob of the past because we forget the future has what we need. If you got it, say, I got it. Choose to surrender to God's will instead of your own will. So, fourthly, I've given you a couple things. Stay united, know who you're following, embrace maturity. Fourthly, remember God is your source. Paul said this, who are Paul? Who is Peter? Who, who is Apollos? Listen to this. This is powerful. Only, only servants through whom you came to believe. They're conduits. They're not the water. They're the instrument that God uses to bring growth to your life. Yes, we honor them. Yes, we're thankful for them. But, but it's not about them. Several years ago, three years ago, my wife and I lost our 23-year-old son to cancer. And he was the youth pastor of our church. And I was lost. I had poured my life into him. He had his credential when he was 15 years old, took correspondence courses, then went to the Bible school in Boston and came home and went to Colorado Christian University for youth ministry. I mean, he just had this focus his whole life. And, and I made the mistake of thinking that everything I was doing in ministry was for him to one day step in. It wasn't official, but there were comments on the wings of humor, the deacon board, the staff, elderly people in the church. They loved Gino. He connected with every generation. They'd say, you know, one day when the old man's gone, you're going to be running the place. And, and there was never this formal thing, but, but all of a sudden... God woke me up to a reality that every pastor, no matter how long he is there, is an interim pastor. They are God's conduit to feed his people. And so I don't want you to confuse the conduit with the source in the next few months. People, men, Women who God bring into your life to help you grow, they are the conduits, not the source. God ordains the season. Paul said, one waters and one grows and one plants. God is the one who's determining the seasons, not us. God is responsible for bringing the result. Listen to what Paul says, but only God who makes things grow. So, lastly, I want you to remember that this transition is evidence that God is at work in your life. Wow! I walked in the door this morning, and I saw all of your faces. It was almost an excitement within my spirit, seeing in a spiritual realm all the blessings that God has for you. There's, There's something that God has for you in the future that only this transition can bring to your life. Isn't that amazing that God is still interested in you growing? He's chosen to part you. Paul said, we are God's fellow workers. Say that with me. Say, I cooperate with God. Do you ever 
Do you ever imitate that kid? You know, it's like, you know, say you're sorry. Sorry! Took my grandson to the racetrack last week and, and uh, bought some toys for him and his brothers. He went home, decided he liked his brother's toy more than his, so he grabbed it off him and broke it. I said, Micah, tell Judy you're sorry. Hmm. Micah, tell Judah. Don't think it. Tell him you're sorry. I'm sorry, he said. <laughs> he wasn't cooperating. So I want to say to you that, that Paul says that you are God's fellow worker in this transition. He needs your cooperation. Not because he's less powerful or less omnipresent if you don't cooperate. Because your cooperation is like a quarterback throwing a touchdown pass. You've got to be under the ball where it lands. And cooperation and submission and following God is what gets you at the right place at the right time. If you got it, say, I got it. Another thing about this change in God's life is Paul says, You're God's field. You're God's field. I, I love yard work. I, I got to tell you, I love, is there anyone else here who loves yard work? How many of you are like, you got issues, man. You got issues. I'm one of these guys, I will, I will spend two hours cutting my grass in a straight line at an angle. Okay? No, none of this, none of this like the rest of you, just, you know, one line at an angle. Then I will go to the other side. I will walk off the same amount of steps and do it at the other angle. And it is a perfect triangle. Because when people are flying over the air, landing in Denver, and they look down at my field, and, and, and here's what I, I love seeing things grow. I have trees that were dead seven years ago, or almost dead, that I have slowly nurtured back to life. I have trimmed them. I have watered certain sides of the tree, three, four under the ground, to give that side of the tree more nutrients than the other side. I, I, I love watching things grow. And here's what Paul says. God loves watching you grow. You're his garden. You're his field. And this transition is part of that. Lastly, before we pray, he says, you're God's fellow worker in this transition. You're God's field. You're God's building. Wow. You are God's building. This is, you know, I got to tell you, I, 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 I see this process and, and I watch Pastor Mike and his wife and struggle with their love for you and God's pulling up roots and he does this, but, but you know what? God isn't surprised this morning. He knows where he wants them. And, and, and God isn't going to be surprised tomorrow or, or, or the next day. He has a blueprint. He's a good builder. He's building you with this. So I want you to remember one thing. This process needs you to cooperate with God for you to be where God wants you to be on the other side of it. If you got it, say, I got it. This is what I'd like to do this morning. I'm going to ask if the worship team uh, can come, and you've been very patient. And I would just cherish the opportunity for us to turn this auditorium into a concert of prayer for your church. Do you know what's happening right now in the spiritual realm? Listen to this. Right now, somewhere, we don't know where, someplace, 
there is a pastor that's struggling. They don't have the burden that they used to have. Maybe they don't have the passion or the focus they used to have. God is slowly lifting their roots and, and maybe they've even tried to, to push through. But you know what's happening? God is preparing them for you. Right now, somewhere in the United States, God is pulling the roots up of His person that He wants to come into this field and grow you. And I think we should pray that whoever that is, they have an inordinate sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. How many of you agree with that? I think that, that we should pray that Pastor Mike and his wife, as they enter this new chapter of their life, and God waters and God fertilizes that they embrace the new thing that God has for them because He is the builder, not us. Let's stand together. Father, I thank You today for this wonderful community of faith. Lord, I sense health in this place. I smell good things in the air. And Lord, we pray your blessing upon their pastor and his wife as they follow you to this next chapter of their life. Lord, the next few months are going to be filled with change. Some of it unpredictable, some of it challenging, some of it uncertain. But you're in control. You are too wise to make a mistake. Lord, somewhere today, somewhere there is a person of God that you have called to lead this church and they are struggling they think they're losing a vision they think they're losing a burden they they think they're burned out but Lord what's happening is you are preparing their hearts for the new place Lord we pray a hedge of protection around their spirit this morning we pray that you would dispatch the host of heaven, legion upon legion, regiment upon regiment, to encamp around them and their family, and that they would arrive at the rendezvous with destiny, ready and prepared for their finest hour. I pray for this community of faith, that they would continue to serve through this transition, to give through this transition, to pray through this transition, to support through this transition, and Lord, they would be ready and prepared for the other side of what you have for their lives. And we ask this in the strong and the faithful name of Jesus. Amen. And everyone said, Amen. Listen, God bless you. It has been so good to be here with you folks, even to see some familiar faces. And uh, I got to tell you... Um, uh, Mike is going to be at the door. He's going to be handing out $100 bills to everybody. So, so as you're going out, just tell Mike, say, Gene said he would never tell anything God couldn't do. All right? God bless you. God bless you as you leave. We thank you for listening to this Sunday service webcast from Cornerstone Church of Parker in Parker, Colorado. We hope that His truth has enriched your life and inspires you to greater works in God's kingdom. We invite you to worship with us in our Sunday morning service or join in our other ministry events posted on cornerstonechurchofparker.org. Cornerstone Church, built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and connecting people to God, each other, and to our world.